0: Good morning. Welcome to Axios today. We've made it to Wednesday. It's June 9th. I'm Nyla Budu. Here's how we're making you smarter today. New intelligence on the Capitol insurrection, plus a record number of American job openings. But first, today's one big thing, why everyone's talking about critical race theory. heard the term critical race theory recently. Republican lawmakers in at least 9 states have come out strongly against this, claiming the theory is divisive and they're trying to ban its teaching in schools. Most Democrats strongly disagree. So what exactly is this decades-old academic concept that's become a key fight in America's culture wars? I asked Russell Contreras, Axios' race and justice reporter, to come on to explain what this is and how it's being talked about now. Good morning, Russ. Thanks for having me. Russ, so this has been around for 40 years. What is this theory?
1: Well, critical race theory is this framework developed in the 1970s by legal scholars that argues white supremacy maintains power through the law and other legal systems. Critical race theorists dismiss the notion that racism stems from acts of individuals. They say, however, racism is a systemic problem seeped in into our national founding. They point out that the Declaration of Independence refers to Native Americans as savages, and the U.S. Constitution once counted enslaved black people as three-fifths a person. So they say you cannot understand the creation of the United States without seeing how racism played a role in its formation.
0: How did this enter our modern political discourse?
1: The protest that came out of last summer with the death of George Floyd, people started talking and acknowledging systemic racism in this country. You heard it argued and debated in popular forums. And of course, the 1619 Project from the New York Times came out. That talked about how systemic racism and slavery is so ingrained in our national culture, our national foundation. But over time, um, it was difficult for Republican conservatives because in focus groups, when they brought critical race theory as opposed to systemic racism, there was a reaction to it. It seems distant. It, it sounds like Marxist theory. It sounds like a queer theory in the 1990s. It was a similar backlash. People didn't want to fight against discrimination against uh, gays and lesbians. They weren't opposed to that. But they were opposed to something called queer theory, even though you couldn't define it. Critical race theory is the same thing. Very few people can define it. All they know, especially conservatives, is that they oppose it.
0: Does this all hinge on how we understand racism, whether or not you think racism comes from individuals or systems?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. For many years, people would say racism is the act of individuals. And after the civil rights movement, we were able to legislate the horrid acts of racism out of our culture, but we could not tackle the systemic problems. Look at Tulsa, the race massacre. White mobs destroyed a very vibrant black community. African-Americans tried to rebuild, but were prevented from buying building material. They were also prevented in going to the courts to seek redress and um, seek justice. This happened over and over. Every time there was a act of racial violence, the system prevented them from seeking justice. The system prevented them from rebuilding.
0: Russ, what's your big takeaway from the debate that's going on now in state houses, in political parties about critical race theory? I mean, I see people talking about this on Twitter almost every day.
1: Yeah, and what's happening in states across the country as Republican-controlled legislatures passed laws, quote-unquote, banning critical race theory, they're given a broad stroke about what they're banning. And I think advocates, uh, free speech advocates, are concerned that this is an attack on academic freedom. And what this attempt is doing is to take the discussion out. Let's not talk about systemic racism. You can talk about slavery, but you cannot talk about who's responsible for it. You can talk about the removal and extermination of Native Americans, but you cannot talk about who's responsible for it. But who is responsible for it? Aliens, or was it us?
0: Russell Contreras is Axios's Race and Justice reporter. Thanks for us. Thanks for having me. We'll be back in 15 seconds with new findings on the January 6th Capitol attacks. I'm Naila Boodoo. Welcome back to Axios Today. Capitol Police Intelligence had an idea of what might transpire on January 6th, but that didn't get passed on to the rest of the police force. That's just one thing we've learned from a Senate report that came out yesterday. Alina Treen, who was at the Capitol on January 6th, has been reporting on reaction to what's been released. Alina, what are lawmakers telling you about this report? Well, first of all, I just have to say, I mean,
2: this report was stunning. It was 127 pages. And I spoke with a lot of the senators who, who put this together, the, the Democratic chairman of the Senate Homeland Security and Rules Committees, as well as their Republican members. And they all agreed that there were a lot of failures on behalf of U.S. Capitol Police the Homeland Security Department, the FBI, Justice Department, that really permitted what happened on January 6th. I mean, one thing that the report didn't go into was the motivations of the people or why it happened, as well as the potential role of the former president and his administration. Democrats are saying, this is why we need a commission. This is why we need to continue investigating what happened that day so that it doesn't happen again.
0: At least as of now, there is no bipartisan commission to investigate this. So what's next? There, there's a few options,
2: but this is the problem with Congress right now, particularly in the Senate. It's a 50-50 Senate, and they are gridlocked on most real issues. And and the bipartisan commission that they had talked about, a 9-11-style commission, um, you're right, isn't going to happen. It failed. Chuck Schumer might bring it up for another vote. Um, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is, I'm told, leaning toward potentially creating a select committee committee to investigate this, but there's a big mix right now within Washington and between the parties about the right way to move forward. A lot of Republicans are worried about the politics of this, particularly as we, you know, near 2022, next year is an election year. And they're also, I think, some of them afraid of being subpoenaed themselves and how this could be politically weaponized against them. And so it's gonna be really hard, just given the dynamics of the party makeup right now in the Senate, to find common ground on how to move forward.
0: Axios Congressional Reporter Elena Treen. Thanks, Elena. Thank you, Nyla. There's one stat that's a crazy example of the labor market right now. There were a record 9.3 million jobs open in the U.S. in April. Axios Markets Reporter Courtney Brown is here now to go deeper on this. Courtney, where are all these jobs coming from?
3: Well, they're coming from businesses that are seeing a huge uptick in demand. But there's also something really interesting happening with the worker in America. A record number of people, 4 million people, quit their jobs in April. So what does that mean? That means that they're pretty confident that they're going to be able to find better and possibly higher-paying work elsewhere.
0: And we tend to talk about the unemployment rate. How is this a different slice of the job market?
3: So we're talking about data that references April, but it gives you a different perspective of of what's happening in the labor market, how many open jobs there are, how many people are quitting, how many people have been laid off. So just a different look at the state of the labor market.
0: And what's the bottom line?
3: The bottom line is that there is just about one unemployed worker for every job opening available. And that's a huge improvement than the worst of the pandemic when there were way more unemployed people for every open job there was in the economy.
0: Courtney Brown runs the Axios Closer newsletter. Thanks, Courtney.
3: Thanks, Nyla.
1: That's
0: it for us today. I'm Naila Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow.